0: good morning welcome to the blockbites daily show coming up why everyone should have some exposure to ethereum we're going to break that down what is proto dank sharding we got justin biebus here full explanation coming up metamask terms of use update some strange things in the t's and c's we're going to talk through it Binance pauses yet another fiat on and off ramp how dire is this stick around hit the like button Subscribe to the channel. Going to be an awesome show. Mikey, bring us in.
1: Yo, 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 yo. What is up, gentlemen? It just warms my heart to have Beebus on the show, dude. There's like it's, it's just Christmas just so comes good. early, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got I got another shirt for today. It's not as fun as the others, but I, I still kind of like it. I might actually keep this one. It says not addicted. <laughs> 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 That's what I tell my wife. She's like, You're addicted to cryptos. I'm not addicted. <laughs>
0: I, I love it. I like the yeah, uh I, really I like the it. the the shows per episode i don't know how long you can keep this up but but i'm a fan
1: i'm out how many shirts do you have
0: like a thousand
1: well i i bought three from shitheadsteve.com ding i don't have a referral link but (laughs) shitheadsteve.com uh and uh (laughs) but i went through and there was like there was only a couple that like really worked for the show and i got them but the fuck around and find out shirt was kind of like the
2: yeah, that was funny. I saw that. <laughs> that
0: is, yeah, that needs to be a staple. It's like it's like Corval's background is changing all the time. Like we're gonna have to get Austin swapping out shirts and uh yeah, keeping it fun. That's right. That's it. Beavis, how are you, buddy?
2: Doing good, doing good. I'm I'm on a, a no caffeine break right now, uh, so I'm not as hyper as usual.
1: Ooh, but a little um, detox.
2: I uh, yeah. Otherwise, things going good life's going good nice Family's going good so love it love dude, it dude we should shout out
1: our friends here uh Yoler coaster wally mr got plenty jw Cygnus. we love you guys thank you what for up, always y'all? being here Tridentfeld. i don't know your name as well but i will by next week
0: <laughs> i love it <laughs> so- yes thank you all of you sorry go ahead off <laughs>
1: No, 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 I got nothing to say. So, like, we were gonna talk about proto-dank sharding today, and I'm just I'm literally just gonna sit in the background and giggle. Uh,
0: so you guys (laughs)
2: dank sharding
0: sharding. I've been uh I've I've been interested to hear this explanation, and so uh, (laughs) the the right time to do it is is with JB here. So the gang's back together. I think it's been many, many episodes since we've had three of us together. Uh missing Corball and the mustache, but gonna be a great episode. We're gonna jump in, uh, not gonna go through Bitcoin charting because it still looks the same as yesterday. Uh, what we, what I will say is like this debt ceiling thing has to be resolved, and uh, we've got 13 days to figure it out in, in the United States, and it's got hmm. rippling effects on the market. Right, so we're seeing green today. Kramer put out a tweet and said, "Let's go." Obviously, I was immediately uh, scared after I saw that because who knows what could happen uh, on the on the inverse of that. But what was interesting to me about the debt ceiling, I put out a tweet this morning. I've got two tweets for myself. We don't normally do this, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, is that, it. yeah, I mean, even so, like, it's just, it's really interesting to me that, like, there are repercussions beyond what we think is a normal situation. Like, this to me, like, you know, you raise debt ceiling, great, government goes on, you know, no defaults, everything's, you know, hunky-dory, we're good. Uh, but in reality like, there's underlying um secondary effects to the debt ceiling so like if no deal 97 billion in treasury payments are due obviously we default there's like you know global world currency status problems like it's much much bigger than just the 97 billion in treasuries that are due but that would actually drain half of the treasuries we have cash like treasuries we have remaining to pay debt in the United States if if we defaulted on that right if a deal gets done um it still has a negative impact so basically bank of america estimated that even with the deal done it's equivalent to a 25 basis point hike from the fed because we are now scrambling to get this treasury number up Um, Mm. we're we're the lowest in treasuries on reserves that we've been since 2021 and so we're going to start selling um you know we'll have to start aggressively selling um uh, treasuries again and that's going Mm -hmm. to deplete the uh you know the banking reserves if we go back um, and raise the short-term funding rates, and so it's sort of damned if you
1: da- damned if you do, damned if you don't. And so it's a is very that interesting- the reason they say that it'll? Uh, oh, you even put it there. It'll drain liquidity, but I heard that it'll actually drain liquidity from the markets as well. Like when they go on sale of these T bills, is that accurate?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, because they need buyers, so like the the liquidity has to come from somewhere, and so it's going to be market liquidity or banking sector liquidity, and in, in reality, it's going to be both. And so what we've seen, the reason, the way we got here is, you know, with all of the fear that's sort of going on around the debt ceiling, there's been a massive amount of, um, of like, government municipal, municipalities, entities that own short-term treasuries coming back and recalling them, getting redemptions, saying, we're going to get our money right now because we don't know if we can rely on what you people are doing. And so they've been having to pay out and pay out and pay out. And you can see um, since December, this number has been coming down pretty aggressively. And so. It's just interesting that like there's all these secondary effects, to things that seem really positive if they get completed, uh, in reality maybe it's not, you know, it's still positively much better than a default, but you get what I'm saying. So, it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. to me to point that out.
1: Isn't Jesus. like the the real the, the real issue here though. I mean, obviously we're talking about this because we want to kind of give a pulse on what's moving the markets, but Yeah. Like I remember a few years back we actually did have a government shutdown right and that's yes. where they get to the absolute razor's edge and all the government employees stop working because they aren't getting a paycheck right which is a huge deal and that's when everyone's feet is to the fire and right now what you've got is you've got the republicans controlling the house which means they can control these these arguments back and forth and what they're looking for are they're looking for spending cuts which, yep. you know, for the for the other side, that's, you know, not something that they're willing to entertain. And that's kind of the reason that they're going head to head. But here's the unfortunate truth. Right now, they appear to have slapped a Band-Aid on, you know, the banking sector crisis on the debt ceiling crisis it will get raised. But my kids, dude, you know, yep. 2030, this is going to happen like they can't keep kicking can't- it down the road. There you go. The 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 one reason that they've been able to kick kick it down the road is because they print the world reserve currency. And if that control goes away, it's going to unravel. Like Argentina is sitting yeah. at 104% inflation right now. <laughs> right. Like it's out of control. And it, it'll the day will come. And that is the argument for Bitcoin. It's the it's like the best, the single greatest argument I've ever heard for Bitcoin is that. Yep. You know?
0: Yeah. I, I just ordered a book called crouching uh crouching tiger um what china's militarism means for the world and that's like the first one it's like a two-part series and apparently it's fantastic like this was written in 2006 apparently it reads like a cia handbook of like chinese expansion um so i'm excited <laughs> to get into that and probably bring back some stuff to this show about sort of you know what it might mean for the rest of the world um but yeah so i mean another government you know another buyer of these t-bills t- you don't think it's to be foreign governments of course it will And so you know, so liquidity is going to come from other places, but the domestic situation here um, doesn't look great in the short term. So, uh, Austin, I I I think you know we'll leave that there. Did you want? I know you wanted to talk about something else quickly. There was something you said. Oh, you know what we
1: should talk about? By the way, how's my internet? uh, It's it's uh, not bad.
2: Am I cutting out? It's medium. It's medium. You're not cutting out. You're just uh, kind of like a PlayStation One graphic. It's like if you wore a large shirt, it's a medium.
1: Yeah. Wow, that sucks, dude, because it's so clear on my screen. It's sweet. Yeah. It's not, it's it's not, not bad, dude. It's not bad. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's keep going. So let me let me actually pull up this tweet because we had uh there was a hearing this morning with the House Financial Services Committee uh discussing the future of stable coins. And mm-hmm. I, I I had it pulled up on my phone like an idiot. And I should have had it pulled up. Here so we go. Is this is this oh okay, go ahead. No, no worries. I'm just going to share screen so I can share Ellie's tweet on it. But do 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 do. Okay, so uh, there is a video which I'm going to share a piece of it with you guys. But so takeaways from this stablecoin hearing: number one is the one that really jumped out at me because Gensler seemed to not agree with this. There seemed to be an overwhelming consensus that stablecoins are not securities. That just seems obvious to everyone. Uh, and should not be regulated by the SEC, but possibly regulated at the state level. Witnesses and lawmakers agree there needs to be sensible legislation from Congress. So let's uh, let me kick over to this video real quick. I should have trimmed it down. I haven't, so we'll watch about you know a minute of it or something.
3: And although this is the only the second stablecoin hearing for the subcommittee, member level conversations have been going on since 2021, and uh, the committee has worked. Uh, significantly uh, with our members on both sides of the aisle and with the President's working group report on stablecoins. From those hearings, both sides of the aisle discussed key guideposts for effective regulatory framework for payment stablecoins, which were incorporated into the stablecoin proposal in the last Congress and the two proposals noticed for today's hearing. For example, Under Secretary Lang made clear that any regulatory framework for stablecoins must have strict requirements in place around reserves and capital to guard against potential runs so we included those requirements in both of the proposals
1: so that's actually really interesting texas just this morning passed a bill a proof of reserves bill that anyone conducting cryptocurrency business out of the state uh basically the whole point is to avoid an ftx block fi sort of uh scenario from happening again so you know my real question here is like, all right, so BUSD was ran by Paxos, which has a license. Uh, I think they're licensed. I don't know if it's a money transmitter or what, but they are licensed in the toughest state in the United States, which is New York, right? They passed that. Yep. Um, and the SEC came in and effectively shut down BUSD, claiming that they were a security. Yeah. This, you know, this is saying that most of, of, you know, the politicos seem to seem to disagree with that. Um, and so that's something positive, but I'll bet circle is just salivating at this right now. Like this is <laughs> their dream, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, so is there a way for Paxos to sue
1: and go back on all of this? Like if uh, I feel this- that there is, yeah, yeah I, I seems, would imagine there is right. If Congress, Congress comes Congress out is. and passes clear legislation, then of course, Paxos can come right back and go, ha. Ah screw you guys we're gonna we're gonna start operating again
2: you know there was a while that the sec was like hinting that they were gonna even ban the use of the term usd or us dollar um and now like this coming back is uh kind of feels really good especially as a stable coin purveyor um i think like this probably more applies to centralized stablecoins and like banking institutions. The decentralized variety is more like a promissory note um, than necessarily a stablecoin. But um, yeah, I mean, if if this like clarity becomes set in stone, uh, the, the sky's the limit kind of, you know. Um, tether right now is like going bonkers. They're at what, nearly $100, mil, $100 billion of Tether minted. Um, because they don't, you know, have to abide by the same framework that USDC or others do. Um, and they're definitely not as scared of, of enforcement actions as, as the others. So maybe this will tip the scales more in the U.S.'s favor. The funny thing is, like Tether, U.S. is, is shitting on USDC, Paxos, et cetera, which are demand drivers for the U.S. dollar, and, and ceding all of that floor to Tether— which is the opposite. It's like, Hey, you get the U S dollar, but we're not actually going to hold on to any U S dollars. And yeah. I think now they've like migrated to T bills or whatever, but sixty you percent. Know, yeah, they're talking about, I, I remember originally it was corporate paper. If you remember that first uh, like document in 2020 um, and, and now they're talking about, uh, you know what, any excess we're going to hold in Bitcoin more um, or a percent of their excess. Um, it's just, you Know the, the US just seems like ridiculous. It's just people like screaming at everything possible because screaming gets votes better than like actual thorough research and, and understanding and discourse does, um, which is I, annoying. But I, uh,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll mind my tongue on the US, uh, based on previous <laughs> episodes. But uh, what I will say is it's and here's here's a tinfoil hat take. Um, on July 4th the Independence Day of the United States launches Fed now interesting timing to come out with regulation for stable coins when you're about to have what probably is going to turn into a CBDC in my opinion uh and <laughs> will certainly be passing digital U.S dollars in some form whether it's interbank or otherwise uh so in some ways like the timing of this actually sort of makes sense to me if you if you believe that FedNow now is actually going to launch and do what it's supposed to do which is crop you know pass digital U.S dollars and so uh Justin to your point on going after um Circle I mean U.S base like there's a lot of like uh, well U.S banking based at least with BlackRock and the rest like there's a lot of reasons why they I feel like they would come after Circle as opposed to Tether uh and and I think a lot of it to me personally ties back to Fed now but again that's tinfoil hat stuff but uh yeah I mean like what
2: like what government software has been good ever, you know, one right. and two beyond that, like, does the government really care? I mean, the thing is like, you know, the government's always thinking about things in, in terms of business, at least like a big chunk of the government, because that's where they all come from. They're, you know, bankers, lawyers, et cetera, um, hired from, from the world of, you know, success in business or whatever the hell. Um, so they're always thinking, oh, we need as the government market share, um, when, you know, you, you, should really be thinking like, you know, we, we need to provide services. It's not really like a competitive environment. And, and if the private sector is providing a better service than you, then you should just support the hell out of them and, and make sure that they're doing things to a proper standard. Like now, I see it, it kind of gives us the power of the 24 seven banking that we lost with like C- Cignet and svbs uh 24 7 banking infrastructure so really i see it as kind of a positive for crypto um is it a positive for mankind i mean i honestly don't think the government is capable enough to be a hundred percent big brother glowy you know eye in the sky status unless you're they suspect you of being like you know funding terrorism or whatever the hell but um I mean, I, I just—I mean, I'm skeptical of FedNow. Is the thing? It's like I've, everybody's I've, talking about it like some big man in the sky, and it's like you know, the government's reinventing Venmo or some shit, but, nope. um, but for banks, it's all running
0: on—I mean, apparently running on Ripples. So sort of part of the tweet that I had was was that Ripples platform. Oh, yeah. that was the
2: weirdest thing. Wait, to wait, me. wait, wait! FedNow is
1: not running on Ripple. It, no, it's running on think- the uh,
0: ISO two zero two two. 2022 standard which is a platform made by the wef which fed now or what am i talking about uh, ripple just came out with a platform that's going to run hong kong cbdc so there's a lot of speculation <clears throat> that this will be the same platform used by other governments
1: so my point is like if you go right now and you send an ach to someone if i go send beavis a hundred dollar ach sure it, go- it goes to the fed sits there and goes to beavis That's how it works. That's how the automated clearinghouse system of of the United States works, right? Now, if I want to send something to Beavis, it just routes through the Fed now system almost instantly and lands in his bank account. It's like saying I'm taking I-95 to Georgia or I'm taking I-75 to Georgia. Both roads (laughs) are going north and they're leading to the same goddamn place, but one of them is going to get me there faster. Like my personal feeling, maybe Fed now is a, a Lego block of CBDC institution. But I don't see it as being a CBDC, and I don't think that there's it's, a big conspiracy
0: necessary yeah, around I, that I right now. It's not right now, but, like, absolutely Lego block.
2: Yeah, That's- I mean, like, it, it, it makes a lot more sense to me for the U.S. government to just be a service provider to Circle and support Circle and, you know eat up some of circle, do that thing they do like, you know, with JP Morgan or whatever, where, you know, they knight them and you're the official CIA op. You're going to run our, our us dollar uh, marketing scheme uh, for the world. Um, And I see that like, you know, if you're Congress and you're a bunch of people that came from business, like why the hell would you want to make your own shit when you have proven time and time again, like taxes still like, It's like how they bless TurboTax, like, okay, you know, you're you're now uh, how we're going to make taxes easy. And it's still like a crazy pain in the ass. Um, You know, I I just don't see the government wanting to do anything, to be honest. Uh, It's like Fed now is like, okay, we want to be sick net Um, and and the rest is just, you know, dealing. what what I honestly
1: think it's leading towards. And I don't disagree that maybe it's a Lego block of it, but if. Remember, the whole thing propping the Ponzi up is the U.S. dollar maintaining reserve status. And it's entirely possible that a move into this digital way of of transacting. A, it gets rid of cash, so it completely takes away your your actual private way of transacting. Uh, But even more so, you know, there may be ways of actually, like, obscuring, you know, the printing or, or like th- there's all sorts of yeah. or, or it's or a higher level of control like Whatever. what I mean like
0: you can you can redenominate the like the exchange rate between what is a traditional dollar and a fed now dollar. I mean, like there's there's mint burn fun- like functionality in this thing. like there's definitely some interesting in what like,
1: in what thing Fed now is not blockchain based?
0: No, I'm saying the Cbdcs that are coming out, like this like on the ripple well platform of course, there's lies, mint burn there has
1: to be. but like Fed now is not blockchain based, which is yeah. what. Leads me to believe it's not the central bank digital currency, which may not be blockchain based either. It could just be PayPal, for all you know. We know, but
0: uh, it all goes. Uh, we're, yeah, it all goes back to ISO 2022 and whatever these payment rails are going to be, and whether that's Ripple's platform or not, it remains to be seen. But here's the takeaway I have from this conversation, which was organic and not even part of the topics: uh, <laughs> is both of these things the set, the debt ceiling that looms for Austin's children. And if that ever happens for me, uh, and, and, and the fed now system, all of this stuff is just like, it is the perfect reason why Bitcoin is in existence is the real is the, you know, it's, it's the, it's the stamp as to why we need Bitcoin in our lives. Um, and I think it's just, it just further makes the case every time that they take more steps like this. Uh, and we have, Things that we know we're kicking the can, like the, the debt ceiling that'll only go up to fifty trillion in, in five more years. Like it's 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 Bitcoin all the way. So with that said, as long as we've got uh as long as we've got Klaus Schwab over the WEF, uh, you know, being like Senator Palpatine, uh, I I don't trust anything that goes on with Fed now.
1: Yeah, and that was so, a good picture of him though. He looked like it, he had a it, facial or something it, before. It was.
0: It, looks, it was. I think that's a ones. costume. Um, I mean, obviously it's a costume, but I think it's like a Halloween <laughs> one you can buy uh <laughs> All right, so with that said, uh, <laughs> we just laid out the perfect case for Bitcoin. Um, I want to lay out the perfect case for Ethereum. So this year has been an interesting year. In 2021, I was transacting on ethereum. I, I looked at the, the gas fees I paid through some website and it was disgusting. Um, and the you know the user experience was terrible and I was like, and that, that's actually what led me to to Phantom and to you know layer once um, And so go oh. ahead, bro, what do, what do you got to say?
1: fees.wtf
0: there we go fees.wtf and so it was a it was a it was a a really uh, a bad day for me when i when i saw that but but um since then there's been a massive amount of bullish you know sort of events on ethereum and i think that for me you know late late to the game like i I had exposure to ethereum in 2017 and and like kind of shuddered when i saw what i sold on gemini in 2017 it's it's really bad Um, but now like very much re-engaged as to why we should all have at least some exposure to ethereum long term and so that's what i that's the conversation i want to have uh and i think that you know we can go through a series of things eip 1559 lsds options institutional investments sign in with ethereum all the stuff that's coming Um, but why don't we start here with eip 1559 eth burned uh to the tune of nine billion dollars um and a ton of eth and so you know what do you guys like like i I said a bunch of different things we can start wherever you want but like what what, what, i don't have my screen up that might help uh so what you know what do you guys like like what do you make of this and and how much has your stance changed on ethereum uh in 2023
1: and and i i'll give you a real you know retarded viewpoint because i'm not (laughs) you know it is what it is but um so it, we talk about this big time adoption all the time, right? But it's we're really we're kind of circled back. In, oh, we're going to lead in the next billion people <laughs> or the first billion people because there is no next billion because we haven't <laughs> right. had the first billion. You got to hit know? one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But anyone uh, that is deploying like real true value. Like any corporate entities, anything that would actually bring those sorts of numbers on on into the crypto sphere um i mean on the one hand you got to think wouldn't they deploy their own chain but on the other hand uh there is a huge layer of security on ethereum uh that you really you'd have a hard time replicating in my opinion on you know your own chain or or like on a subnet obviously you wouldn't get it on a subnet um and so i think you know ethereum as the world computer and especially with all of the layer twos that have deployed Like, I think it's, you know, it's an obvious play as far as like, you know, I don't remember what the inflation was before. I know it was two, it was two ETH per block and a block every 15 seconds. Uh, so if anyone, any of my math guys want to go out there and do the math, that's essentially what it was when it was proof of work. Um, I'm not sure what the actual emission rate is currently. I know it's at 4%, but, um, but EIP 1559 essentially made it at times of moderate activity a deflationary asset right if it's at times of very low activity it's still inflationary um whether that whether that like is a really big deal in the long run or not i don't think it is but i think like the real winners here are going to people are going to be people that follow the advice i give to my father buy it and forget you own it yeah leave it alone walk away like i do forget you freaking own it just put it somewhere yeah forget you own it man uh, and and I think if anything is going to be the actual world computer, it's gonna be Ethereum. And and if if they institute everyone's favorite word, protodank sharding, um, and, and something that really and truly does, you know, give it the throughput to to handle these real world applications, I think I think it's game over. I really I, do.
0: I agree with you. I, so these are, and Justin, I'm going to kick it over to you in a second with a, a different perspective because I think that you'll bring a very valuable uh, bit of insights into what I want to ask you. But um, these are, these are price estimates and you take this shit with a grain of salt, right? And come on. But um, they're from uh, Van Eck valuation for Ethereum, big price estimates, you know, the base case for 2030, $11,000 per the bull case, 51,000. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know where they come up with these numbers, you know, let's, let's say that they're somewhat right. I mean, that's, that's a pretty amazing amount of appreciation uh, over a very short time period. Um, not like typical thousand X meme coin returns, but if you're an investor and you're sitting there doing what you said, Austin, which is holding, it's pretty damn good. I don't know what's up with the bear case 343. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but my point is there seems to be a mass amount of upside and Justin, we had you on a prior show and you, and you talked about, um, you talked about the importance of, of, uh, proof, you know, Ethereum going to proof of stake, and then all yeah. of the, the value that is derived from proof of stake, when it, you know, whether it be LSDs or options, and all the products are going to be built subsequently as a result of this sort of forecastable revenue you can get from proof of stake. And so, would love to hear your take on like what, like what, outside of just the things that we've laid out, like what makes Ethereum so powerful to you as it relates. Yeah.
2: to Yeah, I'm going to share uh, what I think is a better. Oh Uh, visualizer of Visualize uh, me away, bro. (laughs) Ethereum's uh, new kind of structure. So EIP-1559 gave Ethereum a way to um, burn ETH, take ETH off the market. And you can consider this, I guess, in a certain way. It gave them a way to actualize revenues in a way that benefited all parties instead of just validators. Um, so problem Bitcoin has is only the miners are really benefiting from the Bitcoin emissions and everybody else is just like, yeah, you know, I guess I'll buy it. Um, and, and what Ethereum has done, like what a burn or a buyback does is it's essentially a way to issue a unit of value or create value for people who aren't doing anything with their ETH. So if it's just sitting in a wallet or it's just doing nothing, then great. Um, you know a, a burn or a buyback or something like that will synthetically add that value to their account um and and that's what eip 1559 did and then what ethereum proof of stake did which was you know hey everybody got so rich off of ethereum we can probably just secure the network by virtue of everybody being rich um you know so <laughs> let's let's uh let's create this new system where we don't have to emit as many tokens and the alternative is we inflate you to hell and uh, Ethereum has infinite cap and everybody's investment depreciate. So it's kind of a balance between, OK, you know, you all uh, were able to build this economic mass with Ethereum. If you want to preserve it, then you need to secure the network. Um, and now we see everybody taking part. So, um, you know, Ethereum since then, uh, you know, per year, is burning 1.182 percent of the supply, and you can see, you know, this amount is not static, and this is during a bear market where, quite frankly, ignoring the paypays and the meme coins, um, demand has been very low uh, for ETH. Quarter one has been great, but we find that even with low demand, there are still drivers that can push these burn rates, um, and that's what's really exciting about Ethereum is. The demand for block space on Ethereum is, is high enough that it can be, as a network, relatively profitable. Um, so, you know, taking that, which is kind of like a repackaging of what you all just said, my apologies. Um, but uh, yeah. moving into how does Ethereum exist as something that's too expensive to transact on? Um, so no matter what, we'll see transactions on Ethereum. We'll see people paying out the ass for transactions on Ethereum because there is enough value that it's worthwhile. Um, and, and just by virtue of arbitrage uh, in these financial platforms, you'll have demand. And there are enough people that have died or lost their keys that there's going to be value uh, to, to ARB and, and transact upon. So um, what if you are uh, an infrastructure provider trying to scale Ethereum. Um, So the problem we see right now is L2s are inheriting a lot of Ethereum's gas costs at the moment. Um, So it's so expensive to transact that even L2s, which are, you know, an order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude, in some cases more efficient, um, are being negatively affected. Um, So that's where proto-dank sharding comes in i don't know if it's okay natural segue segue. yeah Um, good segue uh,
1: my my baby's screaming in the living room so i'm gonna go check on him real quick but i can hear you guys keep going
2: okay um so yeah uh proto dank charting is cool because it takes data that doesn't necessarily need to compete in the Ethereum gas auction, so this isn't financial data. This isn't. This is like data that's important to scaling Ethereum. So think L2s. It allows that data to be validated and verified on the consensus layer, as opposed to the EVM execution layer. So you know the same layer that uh, you know on Phantom or on Shimmer or on wherever you're able to just send a single transaction of ETH from from this part of the ledger to the other part of the ledger and. Generally, even when gas prices are high, you can do it pretty cheaply. Um, taking that and using it to store uh, data, and and this data is called a blob. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one megabyte of data, and, and essentially, like the whole point of proto-date charting right now, and there are a bunch of use cases, like I'm sure we'll see, you know, ordinals-type use cases, uh, you know, and, and people hacking crazy stuff into it, but really the core use case is for l L2s to validate their block state Um, and, and costs for L2s will go down uh, by an order of magnitude. So 10 X with, with this while they're pushing more and more transactions through. So really like the result is we'll see these L2s with the security profile of Ethereum or, or with, you know, the validation power of Ethereum. um, But the costs of a really cheap L1 network Um, and, probably what we'll see is we'll see like demand for that block space fill up. Um, So when costs are so low and we see this on Phantom a lot, a lot of times people just bid higher for gas. Um, So the costs to the network are low, but that's not going to necessarily translate to um, savings for the end user, but the value of transactions will go way up because the people bidding are like, you know, high profile individuals. So, um, it is an order of magnitude performance improvement for these L2s. Who, who knows how much that will translate uh, to the end user? But ProtoDank sharding is like the precursor to actual sharding, which is hey, let's uh, you know run EVMs in parallel. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it's, it's per- dope. So who's
0: who's a bigger winner here, Beavis, Or maybe everybody is. Is it is it the user? Is it the L twos? Or is it Ethereum themselves? Like is, is it or you know is it a, is it not a not even close to a zero sum game because everybody wins because the whole is yeah.
2: better every I would say everybody wins. Probably the biggest winner are the L twos. Um, so the actual providers of the L two infrastructure, mm-hmm. their costs are going to go down ten x. Um, which will make them much better businesses overall. And and during slow periods um, on those L2s, or even like medium periods, costs will be a lot lower overall too. Um, So people are still going to want to bid for block space. People are still going to be willing to pay 10, 20, $30 to push a transaction through. Um, So that competition will still be there on L2s and we'll we'll see how their uh, gas management evolves. But um, the base case, the base cost uh, for the user and for the network itself is going to be way lower, um, which is, I I think, a huge win for everybody. Ethereum, like you could say Ethereum is probably the biggest loser um, just because.
0: I was going to ask that, like, I mean, and really, truly, like as you're saying this and I'm thinking through it, you know, so, you know, just for people that maybe listen and and don't transact on L2's optimism, um, uh, StarkNet. Uh, Arbitrum, there's uh, there's a handful of others. Polygon's going to become one, or is on the yeah. way, I believe. So you know, so those could be huge winners. But like, is there a world that Ethereum becomes the, like the world's computer, the settlement layer, but isn't really a transactional layer for any of us anymore?
2: Yeah. So so where the Ethereum head see see Ethereum going is as not necessarily the settlement layer or the execute, well, it is a settlement layer, um, but not necessarily the execution layer, but rather the data availability layer, wherein these Ethereum nodes, their goal is to preserve history and ensure that um, everything being done across every L2 and across every dependent network is being done uh, properly and and that all these transactions are correct. And, you know, we'll see as, as sharding goes live and, and as there's more block space and as block space becomes cheaper, which is, you know, a, a massive, massive, massive series of upgrades necessary to make that a reality. Um, but as all this happens, people will come in to fill that demand because really at the end of the day, like this is high quality infrastructure. It's It's really premium infrastructure. And, you know, if you think of Ethereum like a business where, you know, as costs go down, so as you as you make infrastructural leaps forward, as costs go down, as performance goes up, there will always be new businesses and new use cases ready to to kind of fill those those trenches. And I guess we think a lot of times, like, oh, L1s, you know, why don't you just transact on an L1? They can do a lot of the same stuff. But really, like there aren't necessarily like infrastructural leaps forward happening on L1s. Um, they're not facilitating new use cases. They're not, you know, making these upgrades that would allow like a consensus uh, level availability layer for data. Um, and a lot of that is like from Ethereum's own research. And um, you know that's why you know L1s are great because it will provide a low cost alternative to what Ethereum is working on. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like the core improvements that are necessary for the secure growth of this huge ledger. Um, you know, Ethereum is now physical money. And of course, like it can be tracked out the wazoo, up, down, left, right. But um, I read a paper the other day that was really cool. It um, it basically, and I guess this is common sense after you hear it, but physical money, like cash dollars that is all that is is it's a distributed it's essentially like a zero knowledge ledger where you know you know that once that money is printed and put into circulation that that money as it changes hands that's a ledger you are the ledger the person holding the money is the ledger and you know as these use cases improve we'll see slowly blockchain taking the place of cash Um, Well, not necessarily. I don't think anything can take the place of cash, but um, it will take the place of, hey, you know, I don't necessarily want some company that has proven time and time again that they don't have my best interests in mind to be like the central party controlling my bank account. Um, You know, blockchain will kind of be that new distributed ledger with the power of of. Digital money, the power of electronic money, being hey, we can do all this stuff instantly and programmatically, and um, the the kind of peripheral benefits of having a distributed ledger, kind of like uh, physical money. Um, the privacy isn't quite there yet, but it's definitely getting there. Um, so, you know, <laughs> so JB,
0: yeah. let me let me hop in and ask you another question. So uh, in what you said. There's, there's a world where you move forward and, and there's 180 L1s or L2s out there, uh, according to DeFi Llama, which is probably um, <laughs> 170 too many. Uh, and as this, you know, as this ecosystem, as this space matures, we're going to see the natural maturation of, of what happens in every space, whether it's advertising or banking or whatever, just, you know, it consolidates and it's a, it's a natural thing of the best um, products and protocols live on. So in the case of like Polygon, you know, they, they obviously saw the need that they were proof of stake chain. They can say what they'd like prior, but they went to Polygon ZK EVM for obvious reasons, right? To become that L2 layer uh, in competition with, with Optimism and Arbitrum and ZK uh, Sync and and so on. So how do you see like, like Phantom is building the Phantom virtual machine that is a differentiator from Ethereum, um, you know, Go effectively like building outside of the ethereum evm and so yeah if you're not doing that and you're an l1 don't you eventually just become obsolete like, like outside of you know you know what i mean like like how can how can you continue to exist if if the merkle tree and this you know the state of things slow down to the point of the ethereum crawl that we see right now with all the other people out there like don't you just cease to exist
2: yeah um i mean awesome.
0: i know what you want to say there i
2: i what? think <laughs> you don't know. I think saying <laughs> saying something will cease to exist I think is is a tough one but um, really I mean I've been saying this for a long time and probably myself and more and more people will be saying it is it just makes more sense to be an L2 because the whole point of crypto and we have seen this time and time and time and time and time and time again is regulatory arbitrage. how can we exist? as, as an entity that is in a certain way, sovereign. Now we, as people who interact with the entity are subject to whatever jurisdiction that we're within, but how can the entity itself kind of be extricated from all of the shit that that's happening around us? And, you know, while you can say, Oh, macro affects, you know, uh, crypto, just like anything else, because crypto is like driven by, by human beings, which is, is understandable, but You know, if as an L1, if you can't become as decentralized as Ethereum, um, what is the point? Um, If you can get the same performance with the level of decentralization, and right now L2s are centralized. Like they have sequencers that are controlled by multisigs. They're still in in development. So the L two, the, the the all L one thesis is still pretty strong, I think, um, as long as they can you know address all of these these points of contention. But eventually, like for example, with the OP stack, you can deploy your own L two in ten minutes. Um, mm-hmm. You can npm install and run a command line prompt and have have your own whole blockchain network. And you know. Even as sovereign bodies, like you can create a blockchain that's designed to uh, abide by GDPR guidelines or by MICA guidelines. You, know, you can create a blockchi- blockchain that is designed to
3: perform
2: or address needs in a very specific jurisdiction. And you can have the sovereign blockchain and you can have all the security of, of Ethereum as kind of the sovereign body. And where blockchain was created to have this three-party system where it's like, okay, party one is, you know, party, you have counterparty, (laughs) and then you have uh, the blockchain and and the Merkle tree able to validate and confirm that everything happening between those two parties is kosher. Ethereum essentially becomes that third party for the world, for everything. And and it's not necessarily as exciting as, you know, oh, it's the world computer, we're gonna play StarCraft on it. Um, But it is like, hey, it's the world computer, we can interact with each other through it in a way that was never, ever before possible. And we could do it in a way that's programmatic. We could do it in a way that's coordinated and we can do it in any capacity we want because with the power of L2s and all of this flexibility they provide, Like we can in like eventually you'll be able to press a button on your phone and it will spin up an L2 for you and your friends to frickin swap penis coin on, you know. And if you want to do that, you can and you can develop, you know, your internal friend economy Uh, and and you can kind of do that on Ethereum now. But um, it's just going to get easier. It's going to get more performant. It's going to get cheaper. And um, I've probably been talking enough about it. But Ethereum is kind of a beast. And the Ethereum roadmap is. Nutty, and they've shown they can execute.
0: So Austin, right. jump in. But I wanted to just plug this one article that came out in in July of last year, and it was the the, the retrospective analysis of the layer one chain thesis. And it was written by Chainlink God, and it was about how when Ethereum became impossible to use, you saw the rise of all these L ones, and how ultimately they will end up failing, and and. Austin, awesome. I laugh because there was a Merkle tree reference as it related to Binance and nodes completely slowing down to a halt. Uh, and so that's I, I saw you chuckling at me as if I know anything about Merkle trees, but uh, this is where it came from. And honestly, I'll drop it into the description of the show because it's honestly it's worth a read for everybody and it's a really good article. So yeah, yeah go ahead. Dude, it's the like only
1: thing I have to say, really, it's the only thing I have to say is it's been wonderful. Hanging out with you guys on Block bites, but we're now going to be permanently shadow banned because Beavis said "penis" on our fucking. <laughs> friend, <bro. laughs> Wait, done. really? No, I'm just no. I'm just no. no if, if that's I honestly bad have nothing topic. educated to add to this. To this. You've <laughs> no, done no, a great yeah. job. I've just been learning. Like
0: amazing, honestly, like such a <laughs> such an informative um, discussion, and I think like it's it's something that this is a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time, and I have continued to, and this is just personally increase my ethereum exposure um and that's for a long term I didn't look at ethereum that way is is really what it comes down to for me um and you know in a Bitcoin holding type way where like you know of course if there's another bull run you could sell the top and or try to time the top and and buy back cheaper which never a bad idea but that's it's starting to approach that thing you know that that place for me um and so uh to the 66 folks watching, thank you. Uh, hit the like button. And uh, I, one other thing I want to uh, I want to throw in here, uh, Justin is um, whoop. There goes the pen. Account abstraction. <laughs> and so uh, the pen is my tier. Um, and so account abstraction with uh, Ethereum. It sounds like a game changer. So sign in with Ethereum. And so it seems like it's coming. Uh, and you can sign in with uh, an email. You can sign in with all kinds of things. And there's a lot of like this doesn't seem to be unique to Ethereum. It seems like a lot of folks are starting to do this, and it's it's going to become mainstream. And I actually think this is how you get blockchain to really become mainstream. We had an interesting conversation to show the wallet uh, mobile wallet called Rainmaker. That's a Y Combinator incubated project, and they've got a lot of account abstraction coming through um, with mobile where you can actually like get into liquidity farms without having to know what you're doing. Like you can integrate Reaper into this thing and sign in with your email and then you can get in the farm in one click, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it seems like this stuff is coming. Um, and so what is your take on that? Like, do you think that this is a game changer for Ethereum or the entire space?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and I might be long-winded, so please stop me because I'm writing. I'll, 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 uh... I'll jump in if I have to. I'm, I've been writing about this a lot lately, but, um, you know, the the biggest leaps forward for Ethereum applications, not necessarily Ethereum itself, um, it will be beneficial to Ethereum just because of the trickle-down effects, but for Ethereum applications, the leaps forward have been primarily via accessibility. Um, so if you think you know why was uniswap successful uniswap was successful because they had the simplest ux they had professional market makers handling all the lp provision to the degree that they don't need to care about all the complicated ponzinomics um, and users could create a metamask wallet which they were really dependent on early on and so you have the first wave of users so if you think about this big blocker being okay ux is too difficult um, let's say maybe 1% of the world or 2% of the world has the motivation to figure out MetaMask. You know, it's like, okay, Uniswap made it easy enough that I'm just going to install MetaMask. There's a lot of opportunity here. Great. Um, that's 1% of the world, 2% of the world. And right. onboarding those users costs thousands of dollars ahead. head. Um, you know, you look at the the airdrop and the airdrop was done for you know regulatory arbitrage reasons more than anything but you know you look at the airdrop you look at the investment into uniswap um you know all the the money they burnt getting to that point um you know that's a lot of money per user and right now uniswap has about 42,000 users whereas facebook has 2 billion daily active users yeah. um and that's insane when you think about it and You know Uniswap for forty-two thousand users, it's gonna, you know, be just as cool for four hundred twenty thousand users or four million users. The problem is accessibility. You look at OpenSea, same deal. You know, of course they were the first mover, but they created an an NFT trading and buying experience that looked kind of like eBay. It looked kind of like Etsy. It could looked kind of like the shit you were you were used to. And they let you use a credit card, for example. So again, you have MetaMask or all these wallets as as the primary blocker. OpenSea has about 36,000 daily active users. Um, Again, Facebook, 2 billion. And and you think about that, and these are really high value users. They're really motivated users. They know they have the potential to make money and they probably have the capital to back it up. Um, But as account abstraction becomes more commonplace, So as users are able to sign in with alternative authentication methods, as users are able to create Ethereum accounts and create wallets without all of the hubbub, running around, going crazy, trying to remember your seed phrase, trying to figure out OPSEC, punching yourself in the head 50 times, um, being able to just one click onboard, suddenly you can market to a whole new audience. So if you think about it like, okay, the obtainable market of Uniswap right now is the biggest player is 42,000 dudes. Of course, you know, lots of money in terms of market makers, lots of money in terms of volume or whatever, but they can't market to anybody who's not motivated enough to figure out how to freaking use a wallet. And their app's going to help a lot with that, but they can't market to jurisdictions that don't allow people to use their app. Um, And now you have a decentralized method of login they can't really be touched and and you can you can market on facebook you know yeah, you can market, and that's what this
0: article that i had pulled up goes on to say is like exactly that's it's literally like deal. yeah that's what it that's that's sort of like the that's yeah i mean like
2: your addressable part, mar- like your obtainable market like increases by an order of magnitude the and all this stuff this that we're thing. talking about sorry yeah go ahead sorry no, I, mean, I was gonna
0: say the partners on this thing were like facebook mastercard like there was a bunch of like super, Dude, super Visa super MasterCard
2: love account abstraction.
0: Yeah, they like there was some massive. So all right. So you segued us into something. I think that we've probably done this justice. Austin, anything you want to add, bro?
1: The only thing I would like to add is I think for real adoption what we really need i just wish there was a hardware wallet that would back up my seed phrase for me so if i couldn't remember it like for I knew, nine dollars a month were gonna go or there. something they would go ahead and restore it if only we had that ability that would be great
0: That'd i be knew great. that you were i never have a real friend comment. it's um, bullshit that comes um, out of my mouth i want to reference mr got plenty's question so blender tornado cash are under attack what do you think about mimble uh wimble monero and other privacy coins coming under attack as well uh i don't know what you guys stance on on this is the only thing i can really say because i haven't i don't i don't mess around with privacy coins too much but what i can tell you is that of the iso 2022 partners for whatever the future rails of this thing are going to be um, monero is one of them that has been working with the World Economic Forum to be part of that. So I don't know what that will mean long term, but it doesn't seem like is going anywhere if they're going to comply to whatever type of standard that is. So maybe there's some built-in private... I mean, If you think about the way that any government entity is constructed, there's going to have to be some degree of privacy. You're gonna, they're going to have to have something where everything is not public on a blockchain. Now, whether it's even a public blockchain at all, I don't know. But you get, what I'm, I'm, you get where I'm going. So that's the only thing I can say about Monero is that I know that they've got connections between what's going on in like a a larger perspective um and there's a bunch of other coins that are xrp being one of them that
1: are i think they want they want private at the public layer right but very very public anytime they want to look into it i mean i remember seeing uh an article a while back it was something like $600,000. I think it was, I think it was like two years ago that, and I don't remember if it was the IRS or who it was, but some government agency had a bounty out of about 600 grand for anyone that could, that could deprivatize Monero. Um, And no, I don't yeah. think anyone ever did it. Or if they did, obviously we're not going to hear about it. Maybe, maybe they already have that. Maybe they've just got the keys I mean, and they're the, like, all right, well, screw you guys.
0: Like, I don't know. And, and this isn't like a, a topic per se, but like quant, ripple, stellar, Hedera, IOTA, XDC, and Algorand are the, apparently the ISO 2002 compliant things. Um, And they all have either payment rails, privacy, like they all kind of follow the same sort of suit. Um, and so, that's, that's my take. I don't know if there's anything else to add there, Justin, in terms of privacy tokens or, or et cetera. Yeah.
2: I mean, the government's going to get a backdoor into whatever they want to get a backdoor into. Like, right. if you look at the origins of Ethereum, um, you know, it was kind of born in Israel. There's a lot of backroom dealings that uh, may have been happening theoretically. And this is like deep lore. This is like, you know a lot of people think the the sec may have actually had uh a level of involvement in the founding and and launch of ethereum there's pretty good evidence to back it up um you know world powers had their fingers dabbling in 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 the founding they were, of they were on the front
0: page of the uh the world economics forums website during during the merge
2: yeah and and you know um Going beyond that, like, okay, privacy networks like Monero, et cetera, you know, it's, it's just government bodies want to be able to figure out who is funding terrorism. Um, and that's like the long and short of it. And they're literally willing to do anything because, you know, you look at nine 11, how many billions of dollars of damage you look at, you know, uh, any any sort of bombing, any any sort of terrorist attack, you know, tens of billions, hundreds of billions like natural disaster level liabilities. And if you think your you know, 50 million, 500 million market cap shitcoin coin project is going to escape their uh, wrath, then you've probably got another thing coming. Um, so I would say like uh, privacy coins. Um, I, I can't imagine them not getting back to uh, to be honest. I can't imagine anything not getting back at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, the CIA is willing to freaking install someone in your company for 40 years. Uh, they don't care. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So just don't fund terrorism. Um, don't fund terrorism and privacy. Privacy coins will be great. <clears throat> to so your mom doesn't see you're buying weed or whatever, you know, privacy coins would be great um, if if you need to transact uh, to do something that, you know, maybe your local jurisdiction wouldn't be that happy about. But as long as you're not doing anything that's going to get the federal government like snooping around in your uh, life, then you're fine. And I think most of us don't fund terrorism. I think most of us don't want terrorism to be funded. Um, but really, that—that's the long and short of it. It's like these tiny tokens going up against uh, a body protecting against hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars of liability. Like if you think about just like the insurance companies and the banks that that back them and and bank for them, and I guess the government that backstops it all. Like there, there are avenues that they can go down to figure out how to crack these systems that most aren't even creative, creative enough to understand like you know you can you can camp outside uh you know a Monero validator's house or you know whatever and i mean it's it's definitely not that simple but you can you can camp outside of some server uh you can put like a stethoscope against it and you can map out the binary uh based on like the the variations and noise patterns and um, you know, there are so many like side channel attacks that, you know, Intel, uh, there's commonly believed and I think verified that there's a backdoor in Intel chips, you know, um, almost definitely AMD, uh, 100% Apple, that was probably a prerequisite, like, you know, hey, you're going <laughs> to make your own chips, uh, you know, you better put a backdoor in there so we can literally read every single bit of data that your computer processes, Um it just it just uh, is what it is it's like a yep. fact of reality and that's how i operate maybe i'm like you know
0: well there's not much we can do about it that's for that's for yeah sure.
2: just don't yeah. just like be a, be a decent you don't need yeah. to like not you know you don't need to be like schizo afraid you just need to not fund terrorism yeah and you'll probably be okay or or launder you know
0: a huge shout of- out Shout out to Mr. Got Plenty for the question and, and the donation, sir. We we appreciate you yeah, very much, sorry. my friend. Uh, and so it's a, it's a perfect segue. We talk about back doors, and there's been a lot of back doors open this week. And, uh, and Austin, just keep your mind out of the gutter for five <laughs> minutes. I know it's impossible. But uh, <laughs> we'll uh, keep well, going. Oh, <laughs> Between Ledger and all the other stuff, I'm starting to wonder, is there any software, any technology, any hardware, any firmware out there that can escape what is to come, which is this intervention of, of, of whatever entity stepping in saying, you need to do this or you're not going to exist. And I don't know if that's what happened with, with Ledger or not, but or, or they had to sell out to go mainstream to make more money. I don't really know. But uh, I'm sitting there on my second computer and I'm like signing into a different MetaMask, and I'm see this T's and C's and I copy paste it and I'm like, what's in this thing? You know, like I don't typically do this, but uh, you know, I did today. And so it was this morning, super early. And like I get to section four, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like you can withdraw taxes. Like this seems, you know, what, what, like this is something that, you wouldn't even really do unless like, even if you were on like a, tr- a traditional trading platform, like you don't withhold taxes unless you withdraw your, your 401k or something you have that optionality. So like, it's not even like common trading platforms wouldn't withhold track taxes on a transaction level that I understand. Wait, so, there
1: has to be more to this because MetaMask does not have access to the money in your account.
0: Uh, so we reserve the right, hold is, tax is,
1: card this is a subsection of something Fees and payments, right? MetaMask does not charge fees for using their wallet. All right. So we're talking about something else here. They can't Uh, withhold shit because they don't have the keys to your wallet. So we're going to need to go a little bit deeper, even though it is gravely concerning. uh, These T's and C's sound like something of an exchange, like a centralized uh, exchange would have to put on to remain, you know, compliant with the United States government. And so I think if what you is really section want to do four, this, sir, i I'll pull it up.
2: I want to do it. It Very might. Right. It what might this, just be boilerplate that they didn't just edit. To be honest, give me
1: the heading of of section four. What is that? Fees and payments. I'm. Sorry, I, hold on. It's not up on the screen. Can I throw it up? Uh, well, they screen do screen? Um, publicly hmm. available. All right. Hold on. Let me zoom in a little bit. Some offerings, maybe uh, licensed on a rental. Land. If you use an offering, it does not require an order or paid plan. Software licensing. We're into software licensing here. If it looks like they're potentially whitelisting it, but you're you're buying something from them. Taxes. So we're we're, we're talking about
2: something different.
1: I'm talking about taxes.
2: I think that's maybe a product that doesn't <clears throat> exist yet yeah so yeah so i mean it's talking about have- apis and all sorts
0: so of where data. i went with this was and then like so there you could like my thought process was was threefold and when i put it out my thought process was onefold, which is you know foil hat right uh world governments are forcing their hand and like thus they must comply uh as i thought about it more um you know mika with mika regulation could that have something to do with it is it a middle of the road case where like you are you know you know they're starting to make adjustments to what's going on because there will be taxes that need to be withheld somehow i don't know uh, and then the other case that i came up with and that's is based on so like i went i like i, I pulled up um uh, whatever shows you who bought what you know mergers and acquisitions whatever website that is uh, but basically they got series b round funding in 2000 or in 2021 from j p morgan to the tune of like 52 billion and part of that was a uh, billion. B? With a I'm sorry. B? No, no, no. I'm, I'm a million, million, million. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fifty-two million. Thank you for uh, keeping me honest. There. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 that was a perfect reaction. Um, and so, uh, so effectively, they and in this was this transfer of Quorum, which is a, a a public or a private distributed ledger technology that J.P. Morgan was working on behind the scenes that MetaMask and basically took over. And as a result, uh, JP Morgan is still, you know, involved in using this thing. And I don't know in what way, shape or form, but they're both a client and uh, helping with the development behind the scenes. Apparently there's a website for Quorum. Obviously you can go check it out. Uh, so my, my other place where my mind went here was like, best case scenario is like, is the sales tax? Cause MasterCard is one of the, um, one of the customers of this Quorum thing. And so could this be sales tax where you actually buy things through MetaMask in an integrated marketplace and you can you know take things out that way? Because like those are, those are the only three things I could come up with. So I, yeah. I, 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 I yield back.
1: There's an offering here. I don't know what it is, but this terms of service we're looking at here completely dictate the relationship between a service provider and a service purchaser. Um, yeah. And as of right now, MetaMask does not have that relationship with anyone with the exception of Using the integrated third parties to purchase cryptocurrency, or using their integrated aggregator, neither of which give them any access to your wallet. Nor will yeah. they ever we're, have. We're access.
0: certain on that, right? Like I, I trust you 100 on that, but like you, unless
1: you, you unless you use Ledger and sent them your seed, <laughs> <laughs> of course they can't. They don't have access. They're nothing more than an interface. They're they're literally just reading the chain. They're, they and if and if like. What you have to understand, I mean, MetaMask is open source, right? So if ever MetaMask came out and said, oh, you can't use this if you don't KYC because of micro-regulations or whatever new regulations come, you know what you do? Somebody will just fork that shit Mm -hmm. and call it MetaMask 2. And it'll be regulatory-free, not using the Infura, you know, RPC. I hate to tell you, but MetaMask 2 already exists
2: in like 400 capacities. So (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, I I use or but...
0: Yeah, are you talking different wallets previously? Like what do you like expand on that?
2: Oh, just like MetaMask has been forked by every company under the sun.
0: Ah. Yeah. Every every
2: wallet you like is probably a MetaMask fork. Coin98, mm-hmm. Coinbase wallet is a MetaMask fork. Rabby is was a MetaMask fork. It's evolved into Dude, Rabby uh, is incredible. in its own right. Um Luck or Clover wallet, that's a MetaMask fork. Um, Okay, slope wallet. That's a MetaMask fork, but yeah.
0: All right, so maybe maybe less concerning than than I uh, was at 7:30 a.m. when I when I saw this. No,
3: my money.
1: So here's the bottom line: if if one day, like if this somehow indicated <laughs> that MetaMask could withhold money out of your wallet, that yeah. is worth. Then that is worse than ten thousand Ledger backups.
3: Right.
1: It is an end to everything. So. Yeah. That's not what's going on here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I've, had the is it? I don't know, decision to switch <laughs> to Rabbi after yeah. speaking to Austin anyway, just because he said the, the user experience was was so much better. Um, and so let, let me get the Rabbi wallet
1: night and
0: day, night and day, night and day. All right. So we're at an hour six, guys. Do you want to just quickly, quickly touch on Binance Australia? Um, I'm, we've talked about choke point a lot. Uh, and again, Austin, keep your mind in the right place. Uh, we've talked about Operation what Choke Point 2.0. What kind 2. of sex 0. are you having?
1: I didn't even <laughs> go there,
0: bro. <laughs> Jesus. We've talked about Choke Point 2.0 a lot. And uh, basically today, as of this morning, uh, the third-party bank that powers the off-ramp for Binance Australia suspended their relationship with Binance. And this comes, what, a mere three days after the, the Binance termination of their you know, operations effectively in Canada. And so uh, everybody's favorite miles uh, from banter put out a tweet saying he was quite upset because Binance is his favorite off ramp in Australia. And so I guess, you know, outside of miles, uh, disappointment and probably lots of folks there, is this the, like, with all the things that are going on in tandem is on and off rants in this, in this space and like where we're headed to potentially not be able to use them, depending on where you are. Is that the biggest challenge we face?
2: Um, I will say, uh, piggybacking, even on what Austin was saying, like MetaMask is never, ever going to have, uh, access to your keys or your wallet. Um, because of that, because of this wallet infrastructure, on and off ramps are necessary for taxes to be levied, for investigations to occur, for people. It's like the camera at the ATM. It's like investigators need it. The, The government needs it for it to happen. So I think really what they're trying to do is they're trying to ensure that the on and off ramps that exist are applying a certain level of rigor to their KYC processes and are ensuring that they have enough access um to actually figure out who's funding terrorism uh, it's like uh <laughs> it's literally that, that i mean i say that it's like whenever we're we're in our compliance meetings or legal meetings or whatever we kind of joke about it but really it's like kyc aml all this stuff you know sure they don't want you you know doing illegal stuff but really it's like don't launder money don't fund terrorism um and yep. You know you'll probably be uh okay um but yeah they need the on and off ramps to do that and and if they so you, force people to use local bitcoins then they lose that access right and and obviously
0: like there's gonna have to be an implementation of bitcoin that like i need to be able to go buy a celsius or a, a Bud light somewhere with bitcoin in order to like have it have real world Close transactional value. Yeah, exactly. So like that has to I happen mean, at some point. And I, and I think it will, Like I think we're, we're starting to see, you know, a bit
1: of use case for that, but I mean, strike right. strike has a system that works for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, a fairly effective system. But I think t- to Justin's point, yeah, I think, I think where, if they want to choke where they're going to choke is at the on-ramp side through the federally regulated banks. That's how they're going to choke. Not the off ramp. They they want you to get your money out <laughs> and right. get it back into their system. Um, I, I, it's I, a great point. I think I think, Binance lost a relationship with a bank, and yeah, I don't that, think there's anything more than that going. Exactly forward. what happened,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, that's a hundred percent what happened because they came out and said they'll get another you know, one. You yeah, they're, they're looking for another that's another good thinking.
2: Yeah, that's. I always totally just not. assume it's a glow op, you know. I'm just like, <laughs> well, it probably is.
1: Probably um, is.
2: Oh yeah, probably the bank getting their their door knocked on. Uh, Binance a Australia is probably too small a fish to get the direct uh, email. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, you know, it, it freaking is what it is. Blockchain isn't going anywhere. Sorry, uh, you know, it like, there would need to be like a hundred, you know mathematical anomalies to occur in a row for blockchain well ethereum would need to get exploited at the protocol level uh for blockchain to go anywhere and even at that point we'll just see like ethereum 2 and it will get an insane amount of uh inflow because everybody missed ethereum one so it's called three yeah, it, it's called no it's
1: not no it's not <laughs> Total
0: joke. Uh, um, all right, well, Justin, listen, man, an hour and ten minutes. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Like, I've so very good, much I've enjoyed. Like, I, I miss, I miss the old crew. This has been awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I think you know, look, we this is this has been a fascinating episode. If you are catching up, just laying out the 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 bull case for Ethereum, uh, I think is a, a really interesting discussion. They have absolutely. Really crushed it this year, uh, and I'm excited to see where L2s go. Uh, I've voiced my bullishness on Arbitrum, particularly as a DeFi layer for the next cycle, uh, and I think there's a lot of really, really interesting things in the development side that are still coming. And if they kill all the on and off ramps, then maybe Moon will be uh will be the go to. Uh, Bro, you, like think, you think you think
2: I have that much reach? <laughs> I can reach past the federal government? No chance. But um, no, yeah. but. A, that'll be for another
0: day Yep, that'll be for another day Austin anything you want to add buddy
2: no
1: nah, that's it man that's it thank you to everyone that tuned in hey if you haven't liked the video or subscribed to the channel do that uh, yeah, guys, like Cleo yell at me comment, now we're
2: talking leave leave a a don't comment. say penis
1: anymore or back door I will not say
2: any words that will no not be in <laughs> Y7 TV show when, if when it's not cocoa melon, it's not coming out of this mouth that's when it. we put out hear, that hear, live
0: tweet on Twitter and you got this This same video live over there. Go retweet that bad boy and let people know this is going on, man. We appreciate it. Listen, if you've been here Monday through Thursday, you rock. And we absolutely, Dude, absolutely love you guys. Oh so thank you so much. Uh, same time, same place, every day, live at noon, Block Bites, coming to you, bringing you as much information as we possibly can, having fun. Cross the chains tomorrow, live at noon, led by Mark Jeffrey. I will be there. I like. I hope to see you there too. Have an if if you're not there, have an awesome weekend. Enjoy it, and we will see you soon. Mikey, take us home, my gang.